You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. Well, good morning. We are glad that you're joining with us. I'm Scott Mays, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor. Would you keep your Bible open to Colossians chapter 1 with me in the moments to come? We're going to continue exploring the book of Colossians together. And so I want to invite you to keep your Bible open. This morning, I want to speak to you on this subject. How do I make a difference? How do I make a difference? If you're a guest with us today, you're going to note there's a link provided for you in the communication card. You're certainly welcome to call our church as the numbers you've seen the previous, and you'll see again a little bit later. Again, if you're new with us, take a moment, fill out that communication card as we love to connect with you. You'll also find a link for today's message notes, and I invite you to look there with me as we track together. And then lastly, stay tuned to the end of this service as we'll be sharing with you a little bit of information about reopening our building in the month of May. Nearly 4 million seniors will graduate from high schools throughout America in the coming weeks. And when you graduate, none of you knew that your last day in school would be just another average day. Senioritis was killed by COVID-19. In fact, here locally, some of you, your last day in the building was right around March 6th. And so lots of things have been different about your senior year. You've not had that final chance to say goodbye. You didn't get that prom, that senior trip, some of your athletic seasons as seniors, as well as band season. That was cut short. Truly, on behalf of so many people, we are sorry for you. We wish that you could have received those last ritual pieces that so many of us have enjoyed through our high school years. But now our focus, now your focus, has to be going forward. And again, I want to invite you to keep your Bible open to Colossians chapter 1. You know, the average lifespan, the average lifespan of American is just over 78 years. So if you do the calculations, if you're a high school senior, if you do the calculations, you are just about to finish the first quarter of life. In fact, for those of you who are watching between 20 and 40, you're just statistically about to reach the halftime of your life. You're in the second quarter. For people more like me, between the ages of 40 and 60, we're in the third quarter of life. And if you're between the ages of 60 and 78, you're enjoying the fourth quarter of life. Now, if you're above 78, well, you're living literally in a sudden death over time, my friend. And I think about this as I've got an hourglass here with me. Think about this, the sands of time. And what's unusual about this is that I don't have a chance at the end of life to just tip my life back over and get life to do over again. No matter what stage of life you're in, there is an urgency to life. There's a time when all time will be gone, and you won't get to redo life. Again, you can't simply flip that over and expect to do life all over. You get one life, and the clock is ticking. Jesus said it this way, Night is coming when no man can work as a reference to his own coming when he ends time. Today, I want to look with you in Colossians chapter 1, and I want to help us see how we make a difference with our life. If I'm going to make a difference with my life, first, I've got to realize, first, I've got to realize someone made the difference 
for me, for you. If you really want to make a difference in life, then you need to meet the author of life. You may be not religious. You may be super religious. All of us are going to have to meet the author of life at one point or another. In fact, when I hear about the various saviors that this world marketplace offers, I don't need a savior who hears my problems and then he or she rushes off to the library to try to fix them. In fact, I need someone who can instruct me and isn't guessing. I need someone who doesn't need to read a book to help me because he is the book. I need someone who is the library. That author of life, I want to look with you and I want to invite you to look with me in verse 22 because the Bible says that Jesus Christ, our Savior, the author of life, has reconciled us in his body. Look at these three words, by his death. Jesus died to reconcile you to God. If you have a GED or a PhD, all of us come through Jesus Christ. We all need Christ for eternal life. Now, some of you are hearing these words, Jesus died for you. And you have, you have failed to be awed by this. You have failed to be moved by this. The first recipients of this letter, the letter to Colossians, to the city of Coloss, the ancient Roman and Greek city, many of them would have been worshiping one of the 12 deities of the ancient Mount Olympia. Some of you know some of these gods by name. Men like, or gods like Zeus, or Athena, Pisidian, uh, Aphrodite, or Athena. All 12 of these, Greek mythology and Roman mythology said, would have lived at Mount Olympus, and they did not live by a moral code. In fact, when you trace back the Greek and Roman mythology, the number one Greek god seemed to be Zeus, and Zeus was the son of another Greek god whose name was Cronus. Now, Cronus was a terrible creator god. Now, again, the people who are reading this letter, they would, have, they would have been aware of this. They would have been taught this from their earliest age. Cronus was a terrible creator god who literally ate his children. Why? Because he was threatened by them. He was fearful that they would overthrow him. In fact, Zeus, it said, made women as a punishment to men. I'm going to leave that alone and keep moving right along here. So the people who first read this letter would have been awed by the fact that the God of heaven and earth died for them, that the God, the author of life came and he cared for them so much that he sent his son to die for them. Are you, my friend, astounded that God would die for little old me, little old you? Look at verse 21 with me. The Bible says in you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, look at these three words, doing evil deeds. Friend, I've got real hope for you today. The great hope for you and me is that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done and no matter who you are, your life can experience life-altering hope and redemption. I am so grateful that God did not shelter in place, but he came to the cross. I believe that. That's a great place to insert an amen if you're sitting in your living room. Now, keep reading with me in verse 22 where the Bible says he has now reconciled by his death. Jesus reconciled us to God the Father through his death and eventually his resurrection on Easter Sunday. You know, I began to think about this this week. As we are socially distancing from one another for the fear of the spread of a microbe that originated out of Asia, 
We need to socially distance from God the Father because he is holy and pure. If you're not in Jesus Christ, Christ's and God the Father and the Spirit's holiness is lethal to you. How do I mean that? What do I say by that? God is so pure, he is so holy that if I were in his presence, it's lethal to me. I need to socially distance from God outside of Jesus Christ because of his holiness, because of his purity. That's why Christ died for you. Christ died to remove the social distance between God and you. And again, just keep tracking now in verse 22. We ask verse 22, why did Christ die? Here's why he died. Christ died to present you holy. Christ died to make you blameless. Christ died to make you above reproach with him. That's the power of the death of Jesus Christ. Friend, you can leave your dark past behind. And dear Christian friends, those of you who are in the practice of walking with Jesus Christ, today I want to I appeal to you. I want to be passionate with you. Reach out to the light of Jesus Christ and live in that light. Pursue that which is good and holy. The homosexual, transsexual, and heterosexual sinners can all find faith in Christ. They can find transformation for a life of impurity in Jesus. He died to reconcile you to God. The bank robber, the white collar, and the greedy person, the miser can find in faith in Jesus a reconciliation to God the Father. Leave your dark past behind. For it's not about the amount of sin that you've done. It's in the past. This morning, again, I'm asking you to think about this subject. How do I make a difference? And here's how Christ made a difference in your life. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Think of that. If sin is X, for those of you who love a little bit of algebra, then grace is infinity times X if you're in Christ. Every Christian sins one time or another, but the Christian he or she repents of her sin and his sin. Now, some of you today, you're watching this service, and you've smoked your first marijuana joint this past week. And I want you to hear me to say, you don't have to be addicted. That's enough. You can stop where you are right now. Repent in the name of Jesus. Some of you have slept with a married man or a married woman that's not your husband, not your wife, for the first time this week. And I want you to hear me say, that's enough. Turn around right now. Come back home to your father and repent. Some of you have gotten drunk this time for the first time this week. That's enough. Turn around right now. Your life can have purpose and meaning. God has sent me here, and he's put you on this worship service so that you would hear the father who loves you say, turn around right now. The gospel of Jesus Christ has more than enough power to change your life, more than enough power. So no matter what quarter of life you're in, you may be a graduating senior, you may be in sudden death over time, or you may be someone like me, perhaps in the middle. Why don't you come to faith in Christ today if you're outside of him? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, why don't you repent of your sin today? Confess that to the Lord. If you're going to make a difference in your life, if you're going to make a difference in your life, first, you've got to realize someone made the difference for you. Here's the second thing you're going to need, if you're going to make a difference, to anticipate difficulties, not just in life, but you need to anticipate difficulties for your faith. Look at verse 24 with me. 
Paul says he's happy to suffer. What? Look at it. I rejoice. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Isn't that remarkable? Here the apostle Paul, remember he's writing this letter that you see on this screen, this letter that you and I are studying together. He writes it likely from a Roman prison, a prison in the city of Rome. He's in prison because he would not be silent. He would not shut up about the gospel and the death of Jesus. So he would run into trouble wherever he went. Don't you remember, some of you who know your Bible, that Jesus would pronounce a blessing? Jesus himself would pronounce a blessing for those who would rejoice for righteousness' sake? The truth is to live for Christ is not always easy. There are real obstacles in living for Christ at every stage of life. In fact, Paul would at another time say in the letter called 2 Timothy, indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There's no conditional statement there. Each and every person. Is that characteristic of you who call yourself a follower of Jesus? And then notice what he says in verse 13. This is going to be important. This is going to be important in just a moment. That while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Hold that bookmark there as we return in a moment back to Colossians. Yes, friend, there is tremendous comfort in life in following Jesus Christ. I don't know where I'd be without the Lord Jesus and the Spirit in my life. But there's hardships that Paul is teaching us. We can anticipate hardships in following Christ. And you and I are living in a time of moral decay and moral culture has drastically changed. A 2004 Harvard Public Health study, I found this fascinating, termed what they call in our movies a ratings creep. Let me say that again, a ratings creep. They said their conclusion, quote, today's movies contain a significant more violence, sex, and profanity on average than movies of the same ratings a decade ago. Now, some of you have got common sense. You don't need Harvard to tell you what you already knew from a movie. They call this ratings creep. What this means is a PG-13 movie today was a decade ago an R movie. And so in movies in our environment, if we're going to live for Christ and pursue a godly life, there's this great moral decay. And I want to challenge you as you gather for worship this morning to adopt some strong moral principles for your life. There are some things that you should not watch. Did you know that? There are some clothes that you should not wear. There are some websites that you should not visit. There's some music that you should not listen to, and there are some places you should not go. You need to adopt a strong moral ethic. In fact, speaking of hardships, look at verse 24. This is truly one of the most perplexing statements in the New Testament much less in the book of Colossians. Look what Paul says here. He says, I rejoice. I'm happy to suffer for you. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking. What? I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. I say this facetiously. There are some times that I wish I could just sort of stood over the shoulder of the apostle Paul and say, let me let me help you write scripture there, Paul. That's totally facetious. Now, again, there's no other statement like this in the New Testament. It's one of the most baffling statements in all of your Bible. Now, everyone needs to know there's a difference between the suffering of Jesus Christ and a Christ follower suffering. 
Christ's suffering on the cross brings salvation. It brings regeneration and redemption. And nothing else, there's no other amount of suffering that you need to be saved, my friend, to be saved from the wrath of God, to be saved from his holiness and his purity. You don't need to suffer for your salvation. Jesus himself said on that Friday when he was being crucified, it, do you know these words? It is finished. The Gospel of John chapter 19. Christ's death is fully capable of taking care of all your needs. In fact, verse 24, while it's not exactly sure what it is saying, my research of it this week, it seems to be suggesting this pattern, this connecting between when Christ returns, the Bible says Christ is returning, and everywhere you see this, but right before the return of Christ, things get worse. They get more difficult for believers. So there seems to be a connection in verse 24 that prior to the second coming, for people who have faith, genuine faith, things will get worse. Let me swerve out of Colossians for just a moment as we talk about anticipating difficulties for our faith. In recent days, I've been drawn back to Revelation 13 and what John calls the number of the beast. Some of you would call this the number 666, which is there in Revelation 13, 18. The beast is likely a reference to government coming back from the book of Daniel. Daniel referred to the beast as governing authorities. Now, there's a lot of silly talk about this, and you can find a lot of silliness when you go to Google. You can probably find a lot of silliness and stupidity in a lot of Sunday school classrooms about this very thing. But the Bible says, can't ignore it, Revelation 13, verse 17, about an upcoming, there's a day when no one can buy or sell that does not have the mark of the beast, the name of the beast, or the number of its name. Whatever this is, whether it's a literal tattoo that might be on some part of my body, maybe this is some other means, I'm beyond my comprehension, but governing powers have a mechanism, governing powers of this future day have a mechanism that if I want to buy and sell and be a part of that economy, then I have to have this brand, I have to have this chip, I may have to have this peace that signifies that I am an idol worshiper, that I am someone who doesn't worship Jesus Christ. And again, there's all kinds of wild theories, all kinds of wild theories, but I can't ignore the Bible's teaching. Whatever this brand may look like, it is then going to recognize a disparity even today. There are some who follow Christ and there are some who don't follow Christ. And friend, the Bible says the work of the Antichrist, he is present even this day. So Colossians, he's teaching us. There's a connection between here. There's a day when I'm coming to faith in Christ. I find tremendous comfort, but there's challenges with that. Indeed, speaking of the Antichrist, John would write in his letter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Maybe you want to read this off the screen as I'm reading it. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, now we know this is the last hour. So the Bible teaches there's some kind of mechanism one day that the Antichrist potentially forming with the governing authorities will place on or in people that will limit the buying and selling. And you need to be aware of this. And what I'm telling you today is endure for the faith. The Lord Jesus Christ is faithful. And we who are following Christ can anticipate difficulties. But I'll tell you this, no matter how hard the journey is between here and Christ, 
Now, how difficult it is when we see his face, you know what we're going to say? It was worth it. If I'm going to make a difference in this life, I need to recognize someone made a difference for me. Secondly, I need to be aware to anticipate difficulties. Third, I need to share Christ every chance I get. Share Christ every chance I get. To the graduating seniors, to the graduating seniors of college or any of us today, I want to call upon you to be bold for Christ. I'm calling upon you as we as a church family have taken this challenge this year in what we're calling Who's Your One? This is a share the gospel year 2020. Look at verse 28, if you will. Him we proclaim. We don't proclaim HBC or some pastor's name. We proclaim Jesus Christ. All this year, I'm challenging you to have a conversation focused on the gospel. So when we gather in our building in the days to come, I'm going to be standing by that display for those of you who know what I'm talking about. And I'm expecting for ping pong balls to be coming in on that first time you're there. Why? Because the gospel is too valuable to keep to yourself. It's far too valuable. If I had the, the vaccination for the coronavirus and I kept it, wouldn't be right, would it? Neither would it be right if I kept the gospel to myself. In 1988, professional golfer Curtis Strange hit a hole-in-one at hole number 12 of the Masters. Some of you men, you're hurting that I would mention the Masters because we can't watch it this year. But he walked over to the green, Curtis did, great golfer at this time, on a par, throw, par three hole, picked up the ball, looked at this hole-in-one ball, and threw it into Ray's Creek. And so at that moment, the media went crazy with this, and they would interrogate him with questions afterwards. And he would say, why would you, after making a hole-in-one to Masters, just throw it in the water? That's when Strange said, what would you have me do with it? They said, well, give it to your grandchildren. I love what he said at this moment. I hope I leave my grandchildren something more than a golf ball. Don't you love that? Friend, whether they're biologically related to you or their neighbors, however that's done in this socialist distancing, share Christ every chance you get. Verse 25, look what Paul says here. Look what your Bible says. So that make the word of God fully known. I'm going to leave this point, but I want to ask you a searching question. Didn't somebody tell you about Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, didn't a mother, a father, a neighbor, a pastor, a vacation Bible school worker, a co-worker, didn't somebody tell you about Jesus? Didn't somebody bring the gospel to you? The gospel is far too valuable to keep to yourself. If I'm going to make a difference, I've got to share Christ every chance I get. If I'm going to make a difference here lastly, you need to make your faith last a lifetime. You need to make your faith last a lifetime. Christians, I want to call upon you to pursue the Lord in these days. Look with me at verse 23, where Paul writes, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable. Your faith is stable. Your faith is steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard. Christian friend, chase after godliness every minute of the day every day of the week and every week of the year continue in your faith as a pastor for more than 20 years i've seen a lot of people start out with jesus but they fail to continue with jesus some of you treat christianity as if it's a seasonal thing you've got winter clothes and summer clothes you'll try jesus for the spring but when it comes summer you put jesus back up the bible says make your faith last a lifetime 
And I love how verse 29, here's how we do it, because we're powered. How are we powered? With all his energy that powerfully works within me. The good news for you and I today is if we're genuine followers of Jesus, God supplies a supernatural power for living a Christian life. So let me ask you, what are you doing with your life? You could be 18 or 88. What are you doing with your life? Albert Einstein, the well-known physicist, was going on a train, it was said, from Princeton, New Jersey to Boston. Soon after he got on the train, he began searching for his ticket. When the conductor arrived at Einstein's seat, he said, Mr. Einstein, everyone, I and everyone else on the train know who you are. I'm sure you have your ticket. Rest assured that you have a seat on this train. Einstein was, was said, re relieved momentarily, but he then continued to frenetically check all his pockets and got on his knees looking for the ticket. The conductor had finished checking everyone's ticket. He noticed as he looked back that Einstein was still trying to find his lost ticket. The conductor walked down the aisle, tapped Einstein on the shoulder. He said, dear sir, I have total faith and confidence you have a ticket. Please take your seat. You can ride on this train. To which it said that Einstein replied, said, thank you again, kind sir, but I need to locate that ticket to find out not who I am, but where I'm going. Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're going? If I was fearful of this coronavirus, more than washing my hands, I'd want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want a Savior who's got to go read a book to save me. I want the one who is the book. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.